we realize where our help comes from. I realize where my help comes from today. Amen. And it's, <laughs> and it's in the voice of Reverend Dr. Stephen Sprinkle. He is coming to bless us with the word. His bio is in your bulletin, but what I want you to know about him is he's a professor of theology at Bright Divinity School, but he is a pastor, he is a preacher, he's a teacher, and today he's bringing us a fresh word to inspire us to take this step into our new story. Uh, to give you a little bit about uh, Dr. Sprinkle, he came in early. I, I got wind yesterday. He came in early into town, and so I thought I'd call to see what was going on, and I should have known. He came in early from Fort Worth, uh, Dallas area, to attend Asher Brown's funeral. That's where he um, feels called to be. He has a passion and a calling to tell the stories of those stories that go untold, to bring God's justice and salvation ever-present to our awareness through us, the people of God, who are the light and love of God. Welcome and give a resurrection welcome to our preacher today, Dr. Reverend Stephen Sprinkle. Thank you, dear. You pray me through this now. Do you feel all right? Yes. I feel all right. And if you came here and didn't feel all right, then don't bother me. Don't step on the train of my skirt because I came here feeling real good because the Holy Spirit is in the house. That's all right. Go ahead and let him know it. Don't you love it when that big old girl, the Holy Spirit, shows up? Ooh. She gets in my feet and gets in my hands and gets all over me. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I know I'm supposed to be a professor and all that kind of stuff. So I'll try to do better. I bring you greetings from Bright Divinity School in Fort Worth, Texas. We are the graduate theological seminary for Texas Christian University. Mm. And uh, Bright brings you greetings. I'm the representative of 25 full-time professorial staff and an equal number of administrators. For hundreds of students who are right now doing the work of the ministry all across Texas, in southern Oklahoma, and in western Louisiana because we believe in the power of love. And we're proud to be in partnership with you here at Resurrection. I was with you two years ago. Bubbles remembers it. And I remember Bubbles. Who can forget Bubbles? And I'm glad to say that I'm not the only representative of Bright Divinity School here today because one of our distinguished graduates, the Reverend Todd Simmons, is here, and also Christy, excuse me, uh, Melissa Kiesel. Melissa Kiesel's here, and uh, Todd was my teaching assistant at Bright. How about just waving, Todd? <clears throat> Bright Divinity School for the last 20 years has had a policy of complete inclusion, protection, and celebration of lesbian, gay, and bisexual persons. And in the last four years, thanks to the action of our faculty, 
our staff, and now our board of trustees, Bright has formally and officially extended that same full welcome to all those who are considered and consider themselves transgendered persons. Now let me tell you how significant that really is because that means that Bright Divinity School is one of a handful of schools in North America which extends a full and celebratory welcome to people of gender variation and sexual difference. Now, if you get to thinking about it, there are not many seminaries around that do that. We've got one in town in Fort Worth that doesn't do that at all, and the presence of Bright Divinity School, because they have two big old gay members of the faculty, winds up giving them gas, and I sure am glad. <laughs> what we want to do is to tell you that in partnership with you, we are about the business of God's great transforming love, which will never leave this world the same. And we want you to come see us when you can. Like Janice said, I will have a personal word at the end of this sermon when we get into the congregational meeting uh, to tell you about your new senior minister, whom I love in Christ Jesus. Somebody who is going to lead this congregation from City Hall to Capitol Hill. You just wait and see if I'm not telling you the truth. Who's going to shake them up in Austin and is going to shake them up around here. And you're going to do it with him. You're a great congregation now. You just wait and see what God's fixing to do with you. I love Houston, Texas. Do you love Houston? I love Houston, Texas. Houston is a mighty city, the fourth largest city in the United States of America. I love Houston, Texas. Houston has voted in as its mayor Anise Parker. And we love Anise Parker up in Dallas and Fort Worth, and you love her better. But you know what? Though I love Houston, Texas, Houston, we got a problem. Do you hear me? On the 23rd of September, a young boy by the name of Asher Brown had finally gotten to the point that he could not bear the torment and the taunting anymore. He didn't want to burden his mother, Amy, and his daddy, David. So he came home and went into their bedroom and found his way into his father's closet. Do not miss that point. He went into his father's closet where even though they had worked hard to make sure that it was well hidden, he discovered a pistol. And Asher Brown ended his life in the closet. A 13-year-old gay boy who had spent his school years for the past two years dealing with bullying and torment 
and physical and verbal abuse. And it was more than sweet Asher could bear. Now, Asher is only one. You see before you the images of three others. Billy Lucas from Indiana. Seth Walsh from California. Tyler Clementi, who walked to the middle of the George Washington Bridge and ended his life because he had been, in ad, he had been outed on the internet. We know that there are more. There have always been more. Now we're just beginning to hear it. The stories of boys and girls, our children, our babies, who are being tormented by a culture of anger and frustration, of hatred and death. Houston, we've got a problem. We've got a problem when the children are dying for the sins of the mothers and the fathers. We've got a problem, Houston. And where will our help come from? I was, as Janice has told you, present at the outdoor memorial service that Asher Brown's family invited the entire Metroplex around Houston to. And there were hundreds there. I got to meet David and Amy, his daddy and his mama. I got to shake hands with his grandfather. I got to see so many beautiful people who had come from everywhere to cry out against the culture of death and bullying in schools and to support this family in their anguish because their 13-year-old child had paid the price for a culture that gives lip service to life but seems to love death. I was moved by the whole thing. And when I was in the midst of everyone there hearing the songs sung, and watching the line approaching the memorial book that wound around the park because there were so many. I wondered where we were going to find the help to change all this. You know, sometimes the problems that seem to face us in this culture seem so large. And those of us in the lesbian, gay, bisexual, and transgender community know what it is like to stand in front of a mountain of problems. Sometimes we feel like we're under the mountain of problems. We know what it's like in this culture where the conservatives hate the liberals. Have you heard of Glenn Beck? Where the liberals are afraid of the conservatives. Hmm? Where it seems everybody wants to turn on the Muslims and everybody wants to throw off on the gays. Hmm. And I love Houston. <laughs> and you love Houston. But I'm not looking to Houston to change the problem. I'm looking to the one who loves Houston and gave God's self for Houston to change the problem. Because that's where the dynamic energy will be found. Do you know, there were hundreds of people out there, and there were indeed Christians and Muslims and Jews and Buddhists all there and people of no faith as well. I met a lot of them. As a matter of fact, Asher Brown's own uncle is an ordained minister. But I looked for the banners of the churches. 
I looked for the collars of the clergy. I looked for the presence of the priests. I searched the crowd for the people who were carrying the message of good news in some kind of visible way that everybody in Houston could see and this family could feel themselves embraced by, and I didn't see a thing. I didn't see a thing. Now, I know that this congregation sent out the word. I know you do because I know your folks and I know your leadership and I know where your heart is, but let me tell you, that the next time this happens, and there will be a next time. God help us, there's going to be a next time. I'm going to be looking to see you there in some visible way. Because you're going to have a new leader, and you're going to have a new passion, and you're going to have a new witness. You're going to know what it's like to take care of your own congregation, but you're going to love God enough to know that you're going to have to find your nerve again to come out of the comfortable walls and to move into the world where the children are killing themselves. cannot allow David and Amy Trong to go this through this by themselves. We cannot allow another daughter or son to stay in fear and isolation believing that the only solution is the end of the rope or the end of a gun barrel. We have got to stand up and we have got to speak out and we have got to be present in love, not revenge. We've got to be there for the bullies themselves and for their parents because we've got to help be a, the solution to this problem and not part of the problem anymore by our silence. Now in our texts, and there are two of them, one in Luke 12 and then one in Luke 11, there are evidences that the ancient church of the first two centuries believed in the gospel of Jesus enough to turn their social world upside down. In Luke 12, you can begin to read the hints of it there already. Jesus tells this story about a boss who comes back and instead of expecting everybody who is a servant in the house to serve the boss, the boss puts on the apron. The boss brings out the dinner. The boss treats all the servants to a banquet because in the earliest churches, the social order of the Roman world was turned upside down. In the Roman world was built on slavery. The Roman world was built upon injustice. And the churches that were doing the work of Christ in the neighborhoods in ancient Rome were about the business of turning that world upside down where everybody was somebody and nobody was nobody. That was the way those churches did it. The bishops got down on their knees and served the rank and file members of the church. The priests learned what it was like to love because they served 
The character of the congregation was judged not by the number of members of noble birth or how much money people had in their pockets or if there were military soldiers in the group, how many they were able to count marching behind them in the street. Those congregations were judged by the way that they believed the gospel and acted upon their belief. And they changed their world. In Luke 17, you have the extraordinary announcement that there is going to be no such thing as slavery in the church anymore because those who were counted as slaves before were going to find themselves on equal ground with every free person in the Roman Empire. That was revolutionary news. Women were given a voice. Children were honored. Do you know that in ancient Rome, a child was not even listed on the rolls of the population of a neighborhood until that child had become 10 years old because infant mortality was so high they weren't even given a name outside their own family until then. But the churches honored the children. The churches lifted up those women of great gift and Holy Spirit to lead. The church raised up slaves and gave them the status of true-born children of the living God, the church had nerve. Now, I've been around a church all my life, but one adjective I don't think I would apply to church much is the word nerve. Because church is a nice place full of nice people, and I'm glad it's nice, and it's a good place to find sanctuary, and God knows we need sanctuary. And it's a wonderful place for pastoral care, and we need pastoral care. I'm not saying we let up on any of that. I want you to know, however, that if the church is the real church, if it is motivated by the Holy Spirit, if they are true-born children of the living God, then they're going to show some sign in the world, and when the injustice comes thick and fast, and when the problems raise up and say, you can't solve us, that is when the church finds its greatest nerve and says, No more death. No more. Because we are the people of life. I want to tell you that God has all of the nerve that you need. All you have to do is ask for it. God has got all the power that you need. All you have to do is use it. You already have the faith that you need. Good Lord, it doesn't take a whole lot, but you've got to use what you've got. So where is it that this congregation will find the nerve to move out into the streets again and to cry out in the Sci-Fair Independent School District, we will not tolerate bullying against children, anybody's children anymore? That if you as administrators and teachers are unwilling to stand in the gap and prevent bullies from harming children, we are going to find new administrators and a bunch of new teachers. You're going to hear more today about World Communion Sunday and the places at this table that we wish were inhabited by these four boys. What I want you to do is to reach into that deepest place where God dwells in your heart and see if you can find the nerve to stand up and be counted. You're going to have a new leader come and you're going to have new challenges as a congregation. 
Houston will still have its problems. But when I come back, and when I find myself out in a field where the problems come thick and fast and the sorrow is in the street, I'm going to be so proud because Resurrection MCC is going to be right there. I don't know about you, but before I left, this place today I'd promise Jesus Christ and Asher Brown that next time I was going to be there